forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Well, there's no more time for waiting, ladies and gentlemen. It is upon us. Uh, This is Breeders' Cup weekend, uh, kicking it off on Friday. Hi, I'm John Engelhart, and with us today, we're going to have one of the most popular people in New York, manning the daily racing form ship, none other than Dan Illman. Of course, uh, if for any reason we don't discuss a race that... uh, you were interested in, uh, go to drf.com. I've been on it most of the day, to be honest with you, um, to to kind of see uh, uh, the picks uh, between uh, Timeform USA and, most importantly, uh, Dan Illman and <clears throat> uh, Dan Beers, and uh, I should say Mike Beers, and uh, there's nothing that you can't uh, catch, and also... They both play a lot of replays, so if you're looking for a source for replays, um, prior to the Breeders' Cup, along with analysis, Dan does a great job uh, with Mike Beers, and of course, also, you got the other DRF experts. There's a whole section uh, that Brad Free, as you know, Brad is uh, one of the West Coast uh, writers and handicappers, and he has his full picks and reasons why over on... Uh, one of the uh, highlighted pages. So uh, Dan Illman's going to be with us. And that, of course, the former host of this show, a friend of mine and a very good handicapper, none other than Ed Meyer will be joining us. And we're going to try to kind of mix it up. I didn't assign any races uh, to uh, either of the guests. Uh, They just said, well, you know, throw something at me and uh, we'll see how it goes. And so... um, Obviously, we'll all do the classic. Uh, maybe we'll do the top two-year-old races. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. There's so many good races out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what their input is. Um, you know, I guess uh, everybody is feeling that uh, th- there are one or two singles in there, uh, one being uh, Sister Charlie. But the other races, uh, there's not that many standouts at all there's there's horses that come to the top that'll make for you know good keys or boxes for uh trifectas exactas superfectas uh but uh it's gonna be a very interesting day and a day where hopefully you can make some money of course the quickest way to do that is to go over to winning ponies and go to the easy win forms another great week uh we've been kicking it at churchill lately uh uh the latest uh, just came i believe it was yes today uh a one dollar tri key paid two thousand eight hundred and five dollars then we'll go all the way out we're already sharpening our pencils for santa anita <coughs> and <coughs> excuse me folks a little frog in my throat uh two days ago a uh $1 Super 5 key that paid 1206 And if you go to winningponies.com, I'll, you'll see testimonials on some of the big hits we've had um, on Breeders' Cup days. And, and remember, these days, you are going to get a lot of value for your wager. 
because there's just so much money from around the world going into the pools uh, that uh, you're, you're going to get a really fair shake and you can make a large bet. And odds are, unless you're Mattress Mac, uh, you're probably not going to make a dent in the uh, pools. So while you're over at Winning Ponies, you'll see a little box there that says join our Breeders' Cup contest. And uh, we're offering some great prizes and a Breeders' Cup challenge. Remember this, no cost to enter uh, and each guaranteed in each graded Breeders' Cup race on Saturday's card, you're going to receive the number of listed points. If your horse runs first, second, or third, uh, the final time of the Breeders' Cup Classic will be used as a tiebreaker. So first place is going to be 150 bucks, cold cash. Second place, 100 winning credits that you can use for the easy win forms. Uh, third place, 75 winning credits. Fourth, 50. Fifth, 25. And 6th and 7th, we'll let you do some advertising for us with a Winning Ponies baseball cap. And the closest to the final time, you're going to be able to doff a little WP cap yourself. So uh, hopefully you're listening today and you can pass this along to friends of yours. Uh, Hopefully we're going to give you some winners today. Now, we will uh, accept entries until... 2 o'clock on Breeders' Cup Saturday. One entry per person, fair is fair. If you put a couple in, your last entry will be used, so you can change your mind. And we'll notify you by email, and uh, we'll set you up with a Winning Ponies account if you win any Winning Ponies credits. So sign up is free again. We're going to until 2 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. So we're just looking at the Saturday card. We're going to take your votes your picks, your selections, whatever you want to call it. First place, 150 cold cash. So uh, now, more on the Breeders' Cup. We've got a couple guaranteed pools, okay? On Friday, Friday's card will open with a half a million minimum guaranteed pick five on races one through five. And how about this? A late pick five with a $1 million guarantee on races five through nine. A million-dollar guarantee. And uh, on all Breeders' Cup pick four, uh, races six through nine, another million minimum guarantee. Now, that's Friday. Saturday, get tied on. There will be a $1 million guaranteed all Breeders' Cup ultra pick six, races seven through 12. And all Breeders' Cup late pick five on races eight through 12 with a $2 million dollar guarantee and a two million dollar guarantee all breeders cup late pick four races nine through 12 so plenty of opportunities get together with some friends pool some money everybody make a pick and spread your bet out uh it's going to be a great day so um the undercard on friday is going to run through the fourth race your juvenile turf sprint is scheduled for one twelve in the afternoon, so you'll have to go out to lunch and find a reason not to return to work. And at one twelve, it kicks off with a juvenile turf sprint, and uh, it'll run through the TVG juvenile, and that's going to be at four oh four. Now on Saturday, uh, the undercard starts at ten oh seven, but the first Breeders' Cup race, get ready. Just before noon, 11.55, the Philly and Mare Sprint. And then it's going to run through the whole day, right up to the Classic. Um, 
they could be. They didn't put a final time in there because you just don't know with with photos and things like that that can happen. Uh, what what might happen? So the the turf will be 440, and the classic will be sometime after that to be determined. But there's your menu, and there's your schedule, so you can uh, you can figure it out. And uh, so just for your bet minimums. Uh, $2 win place and show with a daily double, $1 exacta, pick six, uh, 50 cent tries, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, and 10 cent supers. So that is the menu. Other than that, there's a lot of information about uh, horses that have been retired. Maximum Security did win the bold ruler, uh, but we're going to have to save those things because I would uh, rather to uh, bring on uh, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, one of my favorite racing personality, shall you call him, and uh, certainly a guy that's been awfully busy this week. I think Dan's already in on the line, and uh, Josh, if you want to put him in, he's more important than any commercial we could run. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, I, I'm okay. I, I, I feel like I don't even need to talk to you because I have absorbed about six hours of video of you today. I, I wanted to be prepared, uh, but it was great. I, you know, I just kept going from you know, the different segments with uh, you know uh, you and, and Mike, and then all of a sudden you guys would show a replay. And uh, I did already tell our listeners that uh, that's up for them, and I think it's a great resource. How are you? How are you going to feel about uh, six? o'clock on Saturday. I think I'm going to feel like I'm ready for about 20 hours straight of sleep, but I think the laurel analysis has to be done for Friday, so i got to start working on that. But <laughs> the good news, that's the great news about this game. It never ends, and um, there's always a winner lurking around the corner. Hopefully, we can give out some for the fans for the Breeders' Cup, because you know, this is a really competitive Breeders' Cup. I know there are a lot of stars, you know, the Bricks and Mortars and the Sister Charlies and the Midnight Bisous and the McKinseys and the Matolis, and these are big names, but there are some other races here that are very, very competitive. I might be crying out for some prices. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and again, if, if people do take my advice and, and go on and uh, check out you and Mike, I'm trying to think, give me a second here, because it was a race on the Friday card where you guys really went deep. Okay, it was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Okay, it's a grade one. Million bucks on the line, uh, but we're talking about a big field with a lot of angles, and uh, you, you guys kind of got looking at a couple of horses that uh, got stuck on the outside, but uh, are presenting good odds. Do you recall uh, your picks? If not, I've got them written down. I think Mike likes eight twal in that race, that very lightly raced Aiden O'Brien horse, and it's kind of a really interesting angle because you notice that Aiden O'Brien, he likes to run his two-year-olds early and often, and I think it twal's only run twice. I actually think he won his career debut in a group stakes race. That's how good he is, and then after that, he went on the shelf for a little while. He came back in the Shevely Park stakes, and yeah, that was a tough spot off of a layoff. The fact that O'Brien's bringing him here, I think, shows there's a lot of confidence in him, and, and he's kind of a really interesting horse in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Um, I know Mike uh, is, is, is interested in him in one of those races. He's the Juvenile Turf, the Juvenile Philly Turf, pardon me, that's the one he likes, in the Juvenile Philly Turf. In the Juvenile Turf, let's talk about two horses on the outside. I think these are the ones you mentioned. The 14 hit the road, Mike likes. He's a Southern California yes. horse trained by Danny Blacker, and 
listen, this is a call too, is a big, mature, professional two-year-old who's just steamrolled his horses uh, twice in Southern California. So he's got the home court advantage. He's got a big closing kick. And he's got a lousy outside post position. But as Brad Free said on the webinar I conducted earlier this evening with Andy Beyer, and that's going to be up at video.drf.com in the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. Brad's not that concerned about Hit the Road, who I believe he picked second in his uh, selections because he's a closer. Flavian Pratt's just going to take him back, try to save as much ground going into the first turn and make one run. My long shot in this race is the 13 Fort Myers, the other Aiden O'Brien horse. O'Brien's going to have the favorite in the more heralded number 12 Arizona, and I just like Fort Myers because he's stretching out in distance. This is a horse whose only two wins have come on synthetic surfaces, but they both came over left-handed turf courses, obviously similar to the one that uh, left-handed courses, similar to the one on the turf at Santa Anita, and he's just bred to the nines. He's by Warfront. His dam won the, I believe, Irish 1,000 guineas. She, a full sister to Glenn Eagles, a five-time Group 1 stakes winner from the family of Giants Causeway. I think it's interesting that O'Brien's got this horse here when he has Arizona, who's going to be the favorite. And I'm looking forward to see him stretch out at 12 to 1 on the morning line. So I like Fort Myers at 12. Mike liked Hit the Road at 10. Mike probably gives you a little bit more in-depth analysis on our stakes preview at video.drf.com. Man, you are reading my mind. I, I, I don't know what it is about you, Dan Elman, but I was going to say, and Dan, could you please give us some information on the pedigree of this horse? Because you did on your uh, podcast uh, th- this afternoon. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty steep pedigree, pretty amazing connections, you know, with, with, with Aiden O'Brien. And uh, boy, he's... Uh, you know, I I, I guess uh, across the pond, he's the the Wesley Ward uh, of uh, of that side of the world because he has such talent with two year olds, and he brings him ready to run. Here's a two year old you don't you don't see this a whole lot these days. That's already made seven starts, so it must be a hardy horse. And of course, we don't have to worry about it going over any, any kind of turf. Now, also uh, incorporated uh, into uh, the DRF was. Uh, uh, Craig Michalski's uh, view, and uh, he came up with this horse that will be running in another zip code earlier in the race and just missed in the grade three bourbon at Keeneland. I believe it's Vitology, a British bred trained by Brendan Walsh. Do you recall that horse? Oh, certainly. This horse is a trip handicapper's dream because if you look at his last two races, he has been compromised both times at Woodbine in his North American debut in the summer stakes decorated Invader who he's going to face again got the jump on him with a nice clean trip from mid-pack Vitology came from last he was in behind decorated Invader he had to kind of squeeze his way in between horses and then he was running late and last time out as the favorite in the grade 3 bourbon he drew post 14 and he just had absolutely no chance to gain any kind of forward position in that race he was last early he came with a big wide run and he was flying late. Now you can look at Vitology and say listen, he's going to get those kind of trips because he has no speed and we know that one run closers are often at the mercy of race and pace luck but this horse can run a little bit and Brendan Walsh the last couple of years has really done a fine job with his horses. Javier Castellano I think learned a lot about this horse last time out. Uh, Vitology is a live long shot especially if he gets some pace and I believe that uh, Craig thinks there's going to be some pace in this race with Graceful Kitten and Peace Achieved and Gear Jockey and War Beast, uh, it could set things up for a horse like Vitology. Yeah, I mean, that's how uh, you and uh, Mike Beer kind of, uh, you know, 
presented uh, this race before you got into the handicapping that it's it's a big field, but it's going to be a fast pace, and it would be interesting to see if uh, Vitology could in again. This is one of those races, Dan, where you know, sure, Arizona could win. He's got all the reasons too, all the connections with uh, the hot. No nay never as a sire, and of course the ever respected Aiden O'Brien. But uh, the, the fact that uh, Arizona's no guarantee, and there's a lot of reasons not to bet favorites in some of these races. Uh, that it, it's a great race. We're talking about the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Of course, we're talking with. Uh, Dan Elman, who, uh, along with Nicole Russo, does Spa Babies, and that's why I wanted to ask him about some of these two-year-old races, because as you just heard him spew the pedigree of Fort Myers, <laughs> Dan Elman is on top of it. Well, Dan, let's uh, touch on uh, two other uh, two-year-old races that I think you know are going to be very interesting, probably very uh, well bet. And uh in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Now, here's something, again, one of your contemporaries, Jay Privman, wrote about the favorite. He said, never in the history of the Breeders' Cup has a horse won a two-turn dirt race with just one prior start. And that would that's, point... No, that's, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. I know where you're going with that one, and I was going to say, and that might be reason enough to try to beat Donna Veloci if she ends up as the favorite as she is on the morning line. I mean, she was very impressive winning her debut, 91 buyer speed figure, um, John, but what an ask. First-time winners, stretching out a quarter of a mile, going to deal with some other speed. She's going to have to be a special filly to win this race. I wouldn't be surprised if she does. Um, but at the end of the day, she's going to, I think, continue to improve because she is facing some excellent fillies in here. British Idiom, Wicked Whisper, Bast. These are three grade one winners. And Donna Veloci only has a maiden win to her credit. Uh, I respect the horse. I respect Simon Callahan as a trainer immensely. Uh, but at a short price, uh, considering her inexperience, I would try to beat her. Well, and uh, I think you would try to beat her with uh, Wicked Whisper, if memory serves me well. That's true. Wicked Whisper is by Liam's map, and she is bred to go long. So while this is her first start around two turns, uh, I'm really not that concerned about it. She has not been headed in two starts, and she's going to have to deal with the speed of Donna Veloci. But I think she has easy speed, and I think Joel Rosario is just going to break with her and let the uh, inexperienced maiden winner go to the front and sit second. Uh, this horse hasn't been asked for run in either race. If you watch both of her replays, her maiden race at Saratoga, she just showed that feels her heels. She won that race in ridden-out fashion. And in the Frisette, a similar situation. Rosario turned into the stretch with the lead under a hand ride. Frank's Rockette, who's a pretty good horse, came up to her, got to about uh, a half-length of Wicked Whisper. Rosario never panicked, never took the stick out. Hard hand ride. Wicked Whisper did the rest. Solid from a buyer speed figure standpoint. Well connected with Steve Asmussen. Uh, I think Wicked Whisper is going to sit just off of Donna Veloci. And if they can avoid Avoid a duel, and uh, if this Philly starts to feel that maybe this company's uh, Donna Veloci, this inexperienced Philly feels this company's a little too tough, I think Whipper Whisper is going to inherit this thing turning into the stretch. Well, it's it's going to be a very interesting. Uh, spend uh, just a, a few seconds talking about Bast, who certainly has to be in the conversation. 
There's no doubt about it. Bass definitely has to be in the conversation. She is a two-time grade one stakes winner, and you could tell she had ability in her career debut. The only race she lost because not only did she break poorly, but she was rushed up five wide into the teeth of the pace on the backstretch and then ran very greenly. And Bob Baffert puts blinkers on the two-year-olds that he likes. And he did that with Bast for her second start, still as a maiden, in the Del Mar debutante. And she won that race by nine. It was very, very impressive. Last time out, she ended up on a very slow pace. Uh, she had to battle it out with Comical at the end. I think a lot of folks were disappointed that she didn't put on a show first time two turns and that her buyer regressed. But I'm going to take a completely different viewpoint of that race and say that was a really good prep. She won her Del Mar debutante easily. She was tested. She was looked in the eye by Comical and the Chandelier, and Bast just refused to let her go by. And her tactical speed's going to have her in a good spot. Donna Veloci, Wicked Whisper, those two going to be out there, maybe 260 up along uh, the pace as well. Bast, British Idiom, those horses are going to be cruising in behind. Uh, listen, uh, if she gets lost in the shuffle, she's 7-2 to two in the morning line, and if she drifts slightly off of that, that's value. Uh, I can't knock her. Wow, you get me excited about this race already. You make some great points. Uh, and, of course, this is where uh, championships are, are made or lost. Well, um, now let's go to the other powerhouse two-year-old race, the boys in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Two million on the line. They're going to be stretching out, most of them, uh, to a mile and a 16th. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Dennis's moment. I thought he was some kind of freak. Uh, but uh, I guess you could say the same thing uh, about uh, eight rings uh, the, the, and, and scabbards uh, in the mix. I, I guess I'm going to lean towards Dennis's moment. Maybe I'm a homer. I know eight rings is a West Coast horse. Dennis Moment has uh, settled down here in Louisville. But uh, they both have a lot of things in common. They've, they're both undefeated in races where their jockey doesn't fall off. <laughs> I'm very, it's absolutely correct. It's interesting that the two best two year olds in the country both have that one hiccup, and that's the only time they didn't finish a race with their jockey aboard. Um, I think this is a very strong crop of two year olds. Dennis's Moment, eight rings. They're at the top of the division. Unfortunately, Maxfield, who's going to scratch out of this race with a foot issue, uh, he's very, very good good. Governor Morris, the Pletcher-trained horse that finished second in the Breeders' Futurity, he's very good. Tis the Law, who won the Champagne, he's very good. Uh, you've got the hopeful winner for Steve uh, Asmussen. Uh, his name is Bubba Basin. He's very good. He's been on the sidelines right now. I'm excited, looking forward to next year, and I agree with you. I mean, Dennis's moment has shown freakish ability in the two races he's finished. I mean, what two-year-old do you remember wins with a 97 buyer speed figure in his maiden at Ellis Park, and he won by 20 lengths, and then he backs that race up, going two turns in the Iroquois, bet to two to five. He relaxed beautifully, and I think that was key stretching out to show that he wasn't speed crazed, and he just blew that field away in the stretch. He looks like an extremely talented horse. I give him a slight edge over eight rings. I'm just trying to be maybe a bit of a dope and trying to be a wise guy. <laughs> Scabbard was second to Dennis's moment in that race in the Iroquois last time out, and Scabbard uh, 
ran right up onto heels at the half-mile pole. I mean, Corey Lannery loves to save ground. That's what makes him such a top jockey. And he tried to save all the ground with Scabbard, but he ran right up onto heels at the half-mile pole, got checked just as Dennis's moment began his winning move. And it took Scabbard a few strides, three to five strides, to get back on track. And once he did, and he swung to the outside, he was making up some late ground. I like the way he finished that race off, his first race around two turns. He switches to Mike Smith here. He's going to be have to improve to beat a horse like Dennis's moment, but I think Scabbard's got a little bit of ability. And if you don't believe in him, use him underneath. You might be able to spice up your exotics if you could split the favorites. Okay. Well, I, I want to point out two things. Um, uh, one is if if people watch the video of the Iroquois, they'll realize how Irata Ortiz really didn't ask much of this horse the last 16th. So while Scabbard admittedly had some problems, I, I think Dennis's moment could have pulled away at any moment uh, should he have wanted to. And also something you just said a few minutes ago uh, that I guess I had never really taken notice of is you made the comment that the two-year-olds that Bob Baffert really likes, he puts blinkers on. And I looked down and realized he put blinkers on eight rings for the American Pharaoh. I mean, you're a savant. What's going on here? Well, we've seen it time and time again, whether it's horses like Dortmund. And you can go back in the formulator application and check out Baffert with blinkers on, two-year-olds, and you can just see good ones and good ones and good ones. This seemed like a no-brainer after he dumped the jockey. The American Pharaoh is kind of an interesting race to analyze because eight rings went very fast on the early lead. John Velasquez took no prisoners first-time blinkers. He got out of there. He went right to the front. He understood that that Santanita track was speed-friendly, and he had the rest of that field off the bridle at the 516th pole. Now, you watch him in the stretch, he's getting very tired. He's hanging on his left lead. He's drifting towards the inside. And usually I don't like that, but I'm thinking... Listen, it's his first time around two turns, and he went fast early. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. The key to this race is how fast are they going to go early? Because I think we would agree that eight rings is going to be the pace setter in this race, unless something a little silly happens and a stretch-out sprinter like Wrecking Crew decides to go. But I think Johnny V is not going to, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's going to send eight rings to the front. I think he's going to try to back down the fractions. And then when Dennis's moment and the closers come uh, calling, Hopefully he has something left. So the horse to beat Dennis's moment, the horse to catch eight rings, and maybe just maybe the value play is scabbard. All right, we're talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. And again, I encourage you to go to drf.com because uh, he, he doesn't only give his analysis along with his uh, friend Mike Beer, but uh, you're going to get to see a lot of these races. Now, I've been leaning on him for the two-year-old races uh, because it is one of his fortes, I believe. Uh, but I can't let you go uh, without the Breeders' Cup Classic input. I mean, you know, it, there always seems to be a big horse in there that everybody's taking a shot at. And while I, I, we've got to give slight favoritism to McKinsey, uh, there's horses in here that, that could be going in the right direction and jump up and have a big one. I guess my, my big question or my first question to you, Dan Illman, is the – reason for Joel Rosario riding McKinsey and I think you may have alluded to that that last race may have been overconfident Mike Smith pretty much what I see on the PPs he's ridden this horse every horse every race in his modern career late career since uh December of 17th um 
So, uh, again, do you stand by probably Baffert uh, and his connections just thought that Mike was overconfident? Or maybe did he need one or was he pointing to this one? But that wouldn't affect the jockey change. Oh, he got the boot. There's there's no doubt about that. And the folks at home and you and everybody don't need me to tell you that Mike Smith's one of the greatest jockeys that ever lived. He just happened to give McKenzie a really bad ride in the awesome again. It was a race where the speed was higher power. Higher power stumbled at the start. He wasn't going to get anywhere near the lead. And when you're on the best horse in a race with no pace at Santa Anita on a speed-favoring track, you've got to go. And McKinsey had every chance to make the lead going into the first turn, and Mike wanted no part of it. And instead, he took this horse on a three-wide chase and allowed Mongolian groom the rail, the lead, and a very slow pace. And McKinsey turning into the stretch just didn't have it that day. Now, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Baffert was just prepping him for this. But I think there's always been a question mark about McKinsey, the mile and a quarter. I think that is a huge, huge ask for this horse. He is immensely talented. I think he is probably the most naturally talented horse in this race. But the mile and a quarter is a big question mark. I think Joel Rosario is going to ride this horse a lot different this time around. I think War of Will is going to go to the front. I think if higher power breaks, he'll be close. I think you're going to see McKinsey up close to the pace this time around. And um, I'm expecting a sharper McKinsey. I'm just not sure how short of a price I want to take on him going a mile and a quarter. And I have the same feeling about a lot of horses in this race. I think there are a lot of question marks in this race. Uh, so I wish I had a stronger opinion. I went with a nutty horse, John. And that's the horse that probably you're not supposed to take. I mean, you're probably not supposed to take Mongolian groom because when you look at him, you're going to say, well, he had everything in his favor last time out. They gifted him the lead on the speed favoring track and earned that phony, some people might say, 110 buyer speed figure. And if he was going to be anything under five to one, I would agree with those people completely. But since he's going to be double digits yet again, I'm going to take an alternate uh, point of view and say, this horse really isn't that bad. He wasn't embarrassed at Saratoga. He uh, ran some good races earlier this year, and he ran. And I mean, McKenzie took a shot at him at the 16th. Ball. Mongolian groom put him away. And perhaps the most striking thing about that race was the gallop out. Mongolian groom must have galloped out a mile in front of McKenzie. I think he <laughs> wants the distance. I know he doesn't need the lead. He's going to be a million to one. I wish I had a stronger opinion in this race. I think he's going to run well, and I think the two horses out of the Jockey Club, Code of Honor and Vino Rosso, are going to run well as, uh, also. Uh, maybe I'd lean on those three horses, and of course I'd use McKenzie uh, defensively because of his uh, natural ability. But, um, boy, this is a classic where maybe you don't have the true superstar like Accelerate or, uh, or, or Arrogate or the big names that we've seen the last few years or the cigars, but it's actually a great betting race. It really is. And, you know, you pretty much go through the whole field and there's some interesting points. I mean, blinkers on the Preakness winner, War of Will. Yeah, he's going to go to the front. How that's going to change the whole complexion of this race, we don't know. And as I believe Mike pointed out, uh, uh, Yoshida is the, the best closer in the race. And will some kind of speed effort up front set it up for Yoshida? This is going to be a fun race to watch, a confusing one to bet. Oh, there's no doubt about it, and uh, Yoshida needs some pace. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be interesting to see how this track plays at Santa Anita. Um, uh, is it going to be speed favoring? Is it going to be a little bit deeper as it's been playing the early part of this meet? If that's the case, that's going to help a horse like Yoshida, because I agree with Mike. I think in the form he's in right now, he's the best closer. He ran really well in the Breeders' Cup Classic last year, kind of squeezing in between horses on the far turn to finish a good fourth. Um, he's kind of under the radar in this race, and don't give up on higher power. He's kind of the wise guy horse. Everyone I've talked 
to it. And so I think California likes this horse because they saw the stumble of the start and the awesome again, just draw a line through it. This Pacific Class was very, very good. Uh, you earned a big triple-digit buyer speed figure at a mile and a quarter. But as we caution in the video, in that race, there were a lot of notable no-shows. Quip was one of the favorites in that race. He just stopped like a, he got hit with a hammer at the 3 ace but I don't know what happened to him. He just did not like the surface. Seeking the soul did not fire at all. Higher power uh, ran, but a lot of horses underperformed in that race, so I'm still a little bit dubious as to whether he's kind of a grade one Breeders' Cup Classic type of horse, but again, nothing in this race would surprise me. Well, Dan Elman, I've taken plenty of your time, as busy as you have been this week. Uh, I certainly thank you for that, and I thank you for all your efforts uh, that you do put out up there on DRF.com, and I, I, I wish you the best over the weekend. You're going to be a very, very busy man, and you deserve to collapse at 6 o'clock on Saturday. John, it's always a pleasure talking to you, especially before these big days, and I hope everybody has good luck at the and good fortune at the windows. Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, Again, we thank so much for Dan Elman to be with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. The man I really admire, yeah, that's his name, Edmire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, one of my favorite guests, and uh, yours too, the former uh, host of this show, the one, the only uh, Ed Meyer. And before we get to him, Ed, I, I hope you're feeling better. If some of you people didn't know, uh, Ed had a, uh, a bout of a potato famine there, uh, but he was able to uh, overcome it, as we understand, and uh, he's back in the saddle again. Ed Meyer, how you doing? 
John, I couldn't be doing better. Happy Halloween to you, too. And, you know, as it wouldn't be Halloween if I didn't have a little surprise or present for you, though. But, uh, yeah, I, I have kicked uh, the potato famine, believe me, and I've, I've beaten a lot of devils and demons. But uh, having a lot of fun here on Halloween night. I, I was listening to your first guest, really, really informed listening to Dan Elman. And the Breeders' Cup, this is, a, this is your birthday and Christmas all rolled into one. So you could imagine my excitement. So just just the opportunity to do something like this is is a whole lot of fun. Well, I know from your emails you've been uh, asleep with the racing form under your pillow. So let's get right into it, Ed. It's going to be a fun Friday and Saturday. Um, the the uh, the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Uh, this uh, race, I mean, when you bring together horses like Matoli, Imperial Hint, who I've have heard is really full of himself in the morning right now uh and uh chance a lot whoa good luck trying to separate those three you know it's it's really a great day overall i mean it's a great two days it's 14 races averaging 11 a day the international contingent alone john there's 33 euros one japanese one korean so i mean you're getting a little taste of everything around the world I mean, this is a great day that offers some super value. After really looking at this race, and I scratched my head, I, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to, I wanted to do something really strong to kick it off here. For me, it ended up with Imperial Hint. Second time off of a layoff, wins the Vosburg, but actually that was kind of a, an eventful race, the Vosburg was. They traded a little paint there, but this is second off. And, from everything historically that I've read about the sprint, you want a runner that in between 21 and 63 days coming off of the race and a sharp final work. And there are two blazing bullets at Mammoth Park for Imperial Hunt. Javier Castellano for Luis Carvajal should be very versatile up close and maybe right about second, third, and chase him down top of the lane. I'm going to go all Imperial Hint. Wow. That is strong. Um, you know, I, I I I was thinking Matoli was in the mix for Horse of the Year honors, uh, and then he hit the gate uh, coming out at, in in the Vanderbilt, and uh, was never himself for the rest of the race. I mean, this horse was on an amazing roll. All the connections have remained the same, and has had a, a bit of a breather, and since then has been out on the West Coast. And you talk about works that. Uh, October 22nd work at Santa Anita, best of seven going 58 and four flat footed out of the gate. Pretty impressive. It's going to be an interesting matchup. In fact, it will be. And a chance a lot just lost uh, to a horse by the name of Omaha Beach. That's probably uh, no great disgrace uh, at the time when he. Uh, it's it's hard to say where he's based. Gulfstream, Mammoth, Saratoga, Santa Anita, and he records not one but two bullet works coming into this race. So, man, you can easily make a case for all three of those. Uh, for those listening with a pen in their hand, Landeskog, the Doug O'Neill runner, has been scratched from the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Okay, let's uh, move on with Ed Meyer here. Uh, it's the TVG Breeders' Cup Mile. Now, this was a race that a couple horses had a chance to go into different races. And uh, 
coming in from Europe is the highly regarded Circus Maximus, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be a uh, an interesting matchup. Who's the best at the mile, Ed? You know, I, I looked at this, and, and this I is remember playing... This is on the turf, by the way. I wanted to, to oh, yes. back up. Back one up. This, this one is mile on the, on the turf. turf. And, you know, after, after looking at everything, I, I fell in love with a horse I, I, that really needs to draw off the AEs, and that's number 14, Bowie's Hero. Now, that, that would have been my top play. But, in fact, since, you know, there was no chance and there was, you know, in preparation for this, I went back to a race that I saw, and I've got a knockdown long shot here. Number one, Sudoy, Javier Castellano for David O'Meara. And David O'Meara does very well when it comes over to the United States. Two back came in from Ireland, went down to Keeneland in the Shadwell Mile, and Sudoy was eight wide gaining. That was almost on the outside fence that day. And Jamie Spencer was in town to ride, and you'll see Jamie Spencer riding, you know, at all the all the big points in Europe and Ireland and and all points elsewhere. But Sudoy ran such a closing race, it really caught my eye. In that race was a runner by the name of Bowie's Hero, which actually that's how the two became connected for me. But Sudoy, I think drawing the rail, Castellano is not going to get that far out of it. He's going to be back. But he's not going to get that far out of it. And historically, this race favors Euros. You got the Euro angle coming in uh, from Ireland there, prepping in large fields. Just came out of a 14 horse field. I like Sudoy at 20 to 1. Well, the Euro that's uh, favored to take the, the crown in the Breeders' Cup mile again, 2 million grade one, is a horse by the name of Circus Maximus. I mean, I have forever been in love with. Uh, runners by Galileo and this is one and guess who trains Aiden O'Brien but this horse has performed at the highest level Ed uh, over in France and England Uh, I'm looking at the last three grade one stake starts a win by a neck in a field from 11 missed by a half length in the Quatar Sussex and then coming into this race was a Winner by a nose in a 10-horse field, and Ryan Moore is sticking with him coming into town to ride. I, I could see a lot of reasons why why this horse uh, is being made the favorite. But after that, I mean, it is double digits on the tote board all the way. Oh, I, I can't agree with you more. And, and your Circus Maximus is one that, that definitely deserves respect, especially you're getting Lasix, but something I normally don't see, Aiden O'Brien, blinkers on. Now, I heard Dan was uh, actually talking about, I believe, a Bob Baffert runner, but I don't recall as much that I've ever seen Aiden O'Brien do blinkers on. Now, Lasix, yes, but, you know, that kind of caught my eye, and I thought, you know, maybe they're trying to cure something here, or, you know, the trip across the pond, calm down a little bit, may improve with the Lasix and the blinkers both together. I I think your runner definitely deserves, you know, a a lot of kudos there, along with number 11, Uni. Uni seven to two, Joel Rosario for the Madman Chad Brown. Yeah, I was there for the for the first lady and uh, was close to being the favorite that race, but made a great late run to get up by two and a half. Uh, this could be a big day for Joel. He's uh, he's named on several horses, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can get him home. But one of the most contentious races, if I can say that about 
any of them, uh, would be the TVG Breeders' Cup Mile on the turf, and that is one mile. All right, we are talking about uh, moving along to the Longines Breeders' Cup Distaff, two million on the line. This will be a dirt race at a mile and an eighth. I'll be rooting for Street Band, but I think a horse that could go off at four to five, deservedly so. Midnight B Zoo back under control of Mike Smith, who was a little too busy to ride her in the Bell Dame, and Johnny V was very happy to do that with that. Uh, if I could say, easy score in that grade two at Belmont. Uh, Midnight Bizu at seven for seven this year. And she goes straight from here to the Phasic Tipton sales ring. Want to pitch in and get her? <laughs> you, you know, the big thing before I even, even touch, I, I think, I think you, you've really touched on a lot of this daughter of Midnight Lou, but I think your uh, listeners want to hear you say long jeans three times real fast, though. I think uh, that that'll be worth the uh, the Halloween price of admission for today. But John, you brought up a real, I mean, a real hard lock favorite. And everything that I watched early on TV, I've watched uh, I watched podcasts. Everybody's talking about Midnight Be Sue. I mean, you know, you're going for eight in a row. I mean, that that alone is incredible. Four for four in the money. You were always a big proponent of horses for courses. Daughter of Midnight lose four for four in the money at Santa Anita. But, you know, I kept looking at it. And I said, six to five, you're going to get every bit of four to five, maybe three to five. It took me one runner down, the number five Dunbar Road. Jose Ortiz in the irons for trainer Chant Brown. And if you take a look at Dunbar Road, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find a bad race. The last race out a mile and eighth in the spinster made the, quote, middle move, as I like to call it, was fourth, fourth, second by a head, and finished third by a length and a quarter, which only shows me that Dunbar Road was actually building that stamina and gas in the tank. I like this runner. I love Ortiz on a closing runner. He wins 20% of the time, and you know he does very good work with Chad Brown. You know, I'm going to use with Midnight Pursuit. I think you've got a really good point, and it's all the rage. But I think I'm going to take a little shot at a price with Dunbar Road just on my straight money. Yeah, and you realize that Jose Ortiz has never uh, lost when he's ridden Dunbar Road. He is yeah. four for four. Oh, no, I, I apologize. In the Gulfstream Park Oaks, he got beat a half length. But other than that, uh, he's been aboard this horse for every victory. So I don't know if it was a jockey change or remember back that was uh, when a lot of racing was going on in New York and at Keeneland. So he could have got hung up and Castellano inherited the mount. Uh, but, uh, you know, a, a late was in that race. You know, he'll be racing against the boys later in the day. Um, it almost looked like he was going to win, and then this blue prize came out of nowhere and banged everybody over the head. But, uh, yeah, this uh, – I'll also be rooting, of course, to win, but uh, this horse keeps surprising people and keeps uh, uh, doubters away, and that's uh, Street Band, the great winner of the grade one cotillion with our friend Sophie Doyle in the saddle. Oh, I'd love, I would love to see Street Band put in just a top-notch effort. The win in the cotillion really kind of caught our eye. I was like, whoa. And then you said Sophie Doyle was in town to ride. She's very talented. I think she's incredibly underrated. 
And if you take a look, two down, she faced up with Dunbar Road, the runner that I like, and she ran a beautiful third at Saratoga in the Alabama. I like Street Band. I think maybe the completion of tries and supers. But, you know, Sophie Doyle, she gives all – hey, you'll get your dollars worth when she's aboard. I mean, she's a very underrated rider, and uh, she's, about, she's about as great for the game as can be. And I believe her brother Joe can ride a little bit. Oh, Lord have mercy. I'll tell you what, tears up Europe on a daily basis. Absolutely. One of the top riders over in Europe. Okay, now, uh, the Longines, 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 Breeders' Cup <laughs> Turf. You wanted three. It's Halloween. Uh, yep. Great one. We got four million on the line here, and we may also have the uh, – Horse of the Year honors on here. Should Bricks and Mortar uh, get home on top? Uh, another horse, just like we were talking about Midnight Bizu, uh, five for five this year. You can't ask for much more than that uh, against just top company every time. This will be Irad Ortiz's mount, and Irad Ortiz has won the last six starts, all but one graded stakes races and four of those grade ones aboard bricks and mortar it's going to be a tough horse to beat except one and a half miles can it go the you know, distance that, that really does that doesn't scare me i i think if bricks and mortar is ready i think only bricks and mortar beats bricks and mortar ortiz is an incredible closing rider which in fact uh the son of giants causeway has a wicked late kick going for a seventh straight win wins the arlington million and was just grinding them down i mean big time and was really just laying the heavy leather to it and i read ortiz is an incredible finisher you know I kept thinking, I said, should I, should I jump in? Because I know there's not going to be a nine to five there. It looks like just like Midnight Bisou that there's going to be a, a, maybe a little shorter price. But I went a little bit price searching, but not too far, just middle range. Number 10, Old Persian, for your quote by Dubawi from Ireland, John. Charles Appleby is the trainer. Now, Charles Appleby is three for six. Three for six in Breeders' Cup races. William Buick is in the saddle, and I've really been a big fan over the years. Uh, he's, he's a lot of good scores on William Buick. Exits the, the grade one northern dancer at Woodbine, and this is a key race for the turf. Over the years, it's been one of those runners that come out of the northern dancer really deserve a look. His last closing effort was lights out, and it was everything that and then some. And uh, I think right about that final furlong, we're going to know if a mile and a, if a mile and a half is a little too far. But old Persian just looked to be under Joe Doyle that day. Looked to be just finding his stride. I'm going to take the Godolphin runner, and if you can get four to one, go with it. Well, another horse I'm looking at here that's an import would be Anthony Van Dick. I'm going to say there an Irish bred. Uh, Aiden O'Brien, Galileo, going a mile and a half, two wins, a second for earnings of $1.5 million. Those had to be pretty nice mile and a half races, Ed. Oh, they were. Anthony Van Dyke is, can be a monster. Ryan Moore, Aiden O'Brien, once again, when they team up, I mean, it's a money machine. Go back to November 2nd at Churchill in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf that day, bumped an upper stretch. 
Anthony Van Dyke was a beaten favorite that day. Now, maybe a lot of people forget in time. I tend to, and thank God that's why we have the PPs to remind us. But actually was bumped around, came out of the 14 hole, which wasn't too kind. But Anthony Van Dyke can be a monster when, when called upon. Anything that Aiden O'Brien is sending over is going to be very solid. I think he keeps a lot of his A-plus horses in Europe. I think we're seeing some very, very, very talented animals. But... I, I, from what I've watched over in Europe this year, he really, really set him on fire. Uh, but I do enjoy watching his runners because they, they come to play and they, and you're getting Lasix back again. Anthony Van Dyke uh, might, uh, might round out my try. Well, it, it is interesting. He's a three-year-old, though he's not the sole three-year-old in here. So uh, he's going to have to be an exceptional horse to take on some of these uh, these older horses that have uh, fantastic resumes. Well, uh, we're coming down the final furlong, so let's get into one of the most heralded races in the world, and that's the Longines Breeders' Cup Classic Grade 1, $6 million on the line. Ed, where do you go? It could be wide open. Oh, and in fact, Dan had brought brought up a really good point when he said, I I really didn't have, you know, an opinion that that, that merited, you know, one of his biggest, bigger bets, not big yes, but bigger bets for the day or maybe, uh, you know, a, a couple shekels more. I, I really scratched my head in this one, and I and I and I went, went round and round. I looked at Yoshida, Elate, Higher Power, and and I saw Flavian Pratt is riding, I believe, fourteen mounts, which is incredible. I settled on number eleven, Code of Honor, John uh-huh. Velasquez for Shug McGahee. Third off the layoff was put in put up in a DQ this last time out against Vino Rosso. Maybe these two got a little uh, little uh, settle the score here. And in the Grade One Jockey Gold Club, finishing nose behind, but got put up in the DQ. Thank goodness for the stews. In this closing, son of noble mission has been working very well. We're just kind of workmanlike in the morning, and uh, three for three at the distance in the money. I like Code of Honor. I like the mile and a quarter run. John Velasquez, in my opinion, the, he has looked better riding this year than I have seen in many. He's an incredible rider, a great ambassador for the game. He's winning 19% on the year, 33% in California. So maybe, maybe he's starting to like the left coast here. But Johnny Velasquez has really caught my eye, and he's become that uh, 1A to Mike Smith when the money's on the line. I've really, I really had a lot of success with John. But uh, Code of Honor looks good. I'm going to use with Vina Rosso and I believe McKenzie. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be a big pair, but it'll be a pair just the same if Code of Honor gets it done. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, what what happened. You know, I uh, talked to Dan about it, the the overconfident ride he may have been given in the awesome again. It's hard to believe that Mike Smith ever makes a mistake, but uh, Joel Rosario is the recipient of the feelings of Bob Baffert and his team in there. So, rider change on McKinsey, one of the most consistent horses in training uh, in the last few years. Code of Honor, Ed's pick. Good. We got to point out it is a three-year-old taking on the elders, so uh, that'll be tough. And between you, me, and three stewards, I did not think Vinaroso should have been taken down. I thought it was a fair fight. Did they bump? Yeah. Did they bump each other? Hell yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's like you just can't 
in this day and age, you can't do anything anymore. I mean, and not that I really think Vino Rosa did that much. But hey, that's just got a guy with a microphone shooting his mouth off. Um, no, I, no, no, it's not. No, it was this this weekend, especially John. You brought up a very good point. We're going to see a little tighter game called, like we see in a big football game. That you know, holding is going to be called more. We're going to be seen. They're not going to be able to trade paint. I think they're going to be scrutinized and watched. That you know, for the safety of the game, especially this weekend. Absolutely, and knock on wood, and you know why that we don't mm. have any uh, horses get hurt during the the two day event because we got enough people throwing stones at our glass building as it is. Well, Ed. Have a fantastic weekend. As you know, I'll be in touch with you by uh, text or phone or whatever it takes to check up on you during the races at Breeders' Cup. And I want to remind you, you're no longer an employee, as I understand. You can play in the Winning Ponies Breeders' Cup Challenge. So don't forget, 150 cold cash for the top spot. And for anybody listening that came in late, go over to winningponies.com and you can sign up for the contest. It's free. I want to thank Ed Meyer. I want to thank Dan Illman. I want to thank our producer, Josh, and I want to thank you for listening. Have a fantastic Breeders' Cup, everybody. Happy Halloween. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.